RNZ National. This is Lately with Karen Hay and it's time for our weekly catch-up with one of the Media Watch team and this week we welcome Jeremy Rose back into the seat. Kia ora, Jeremy. Kia ora, Karen. And you'd like to start with something positive this week, I believe. I would. Reasons to be cheerful. It's a new magazine, that uh, online magazine, the singer David Burns behind it um, and we can actually have a listen to him describing it now. Hi, my name's David Byrne. I know that things can seem pretty hopeless these days. I often feel that way too. So, a little while back, I started looking for reasons to be cheerful. And believe it or not, I found some. I found a lot, actually. And I had an idea. What if we started a project and brought some of those reasons to be cheerful into sharper focus? We looked at things that are working, and our team told us stories to help us understand those things better. Things that might be copied, replicated, scaled up, spread around. Reasons to be cheerful. He stole that from Ian Drury, didn't he? I'll I'll take your word for it. He did. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. And he's, um, it's it's a really interesting project, I think, and we'll get publicity that other magazines, you know, other similar types of exercises might not. Actually, I think two or three times ago when I was on this program, I mentioned a New Zealand project called the Bank of Real Solutions. And and it was very similar, you know, basically went around the country encouraging people doing cool things to share them so that other people could could do them. And this this is the same idea writ large across the world. And some of the ideas being pushed will be familiar to, to most of the listeners. Portugal's drug liberalisation is written about... Um, there's a story on China's remarkable solar energy programs and how that's revolutionised solar around the world. There's a interesting little story actually about the Great Lakes and how the beaches there are private um, and so the public have been excluded from them. But recently, because of the... Um, problems with the some of the boat sheds and things washing into the um, into the lakes there's been an agreement by a lot of the owners have said oh no no you can protect us and you can put a walkway there so there's this thing happening where people are getting access a kind of commons is developing um, Brian Eno writes on it about the necessity of going nuclear and this is this ongoing discussion the two of them have had they're both very environmentally minded um, and Brian Eno has been quite influenced by George Monbiot, the Guardian journalist, environmentalist. Um, so, yeah, not just a, an interesting range of stories. My favourite one wasn't as predictable, actually. It was David Byrne in India at the, I'm not quite sure how he pronounced it, but Kochi Art Biennale in Kerala. Um, and he describes it as the Venice Biennale of the South. Uh, and just talks about some of the artists all basically from the from the south rather than the north and yeah really really interesting that's a great idea it's a fantastic website too it's got some really interesting stories on it so you took a look yeah yes I had a look yeah it's fantastic yeah and the another thing as I cycle in David Byrne would be very happy to hear I cycle and there's actually quite a lot on his site about cycling and when he came to New Zealand I know he bought his bicycle and he rode everywhere but as I cycle to work, I go past Evans Bay and lately, 
kind of like daffodils in spring, there's been this explosion of billboards for local body politicians, and that probably happens all is happening mm. at the moment all around Some the country. <laughs> and they're basically somebody's face, a name, and something a name like so and so for integrity or some other political cliche. Yeah, and and you kind of think, what's the point? Um, Do they really work? And then in Saturday's Dominion Post, which is still the old um, broadsheet size, um, they had a full page dedicated to the Kapiti elections with a bio on every single candidate. So really admirable thing to do. But but one of the... um, one of the bios was written by architect Rosalind Darby, and the final sentence was, 50 words are not sufficient to discuss the complexities of local governance. <laughs> and, and I can't, that the truth? Yeah, I had quite a lot of sympathy for her. And you think, well, you know, a print publication obviously has real limitations. Um, and so you can see why they have to put a, what is a fairly miserly word limit on it. But there isn't any of those limitations on the web. So I was surprised that they didn't have something saying, go to the web for fuller explanations of what these people stand for and give them a bit more space. That would have, would have I think, you know, hopefully we'll start seeing a bit more of that. It's the perfect use of the internet. There's no space limits in the same way. Um, you this, would have thought they would have started that already, though, the Dom, wouldn't they, if they were going to do it? Yeah, no, no, I'm sure they well, I'm not sure, but I doubt very much they will do it, and they haven't, you know, very few papers do do it around the country. I'm not quite sure why. The spin-off this week announced a, that they had a, they would be hosting Policy Local. In the last election, they had this um, web s- site, or it's not the right word, they, if you... You could go on and you could basically look at all of the policies of the different candidates, different political parties, and they're doing the same thing for the local elections for all 573 local body elections next month. They're ambitious. Uh, um, yeah, and, they, and you're going to be able to go on the site and get this breakdown of every candidate and what their policies are. So an incredibly good resource, uh, you know, yet to be seen, I suppose, how... Um, we spoke, yeah, we spoke to Hayden O'Donnell, I think his name was, Hayden O'Donnell, um, Donnell, uh, Donnell, sorry, from Spinoff about this, and uh, they weren't sure at the time whether they would be able to cover everyone, but they were going to try and cover as many as they could, because he was just getting his team together at the time. So well, yeah, to- Toby Manhai, the editor, this week promised, well, I think three days ago, promised that they would be, so it looks like they've got it together. That's great. But yeah, it sounds fantastic. Another similar thing which I just came across is Figure NZ, which Figure NZ is a data site which has information about all of New Zealand. It's, it's great, but they've just put out a, a new page called Figure NZ Places, and that has every region in New Zealand with information about the demographics right down to things like how many pokey machines there are in each district uh, all sorts of information so incredibly useful for both the candidates for the journalists and for the voters because you can go in and look and find out things about your region in one place and that's all of these things by the way uh, have links on our web page so if you go to the media watch web page on the rnz site you'll find links to everything we're talking about um, so yeah, I think that's really useful as well. But there's is that element too that 
it's okay to know somebody's policies, but you also want to know how they perform. And in the Weekend Herald, the senior journalists Simon Wilson and Bernard Orsman, actually, who both cover, I think, most of the Auckland Council meetings, so they're very familiar with the candidates, um, they did a really useful guide where they compared each of the candidates. They did it separately, didn't compare notes, and then published it. So you've got these two different people commenting on every sitting candidate, um, every sitting councillor. So it seems possibly a little bit unfair to the newbies coming into the race, but it was really useful and and well done, and I think um, let's hope we see more of that. But I, I doubt very much we will see that much more of it because there simply aren't many councils that have Two, there's many councils that don't even have one journalist regularly attending, so it's going to be quite rare for that type of material to be created. But I came across uh, this interesting piece by a guy who just calls himself Nick, and it's a YouTube video, 35 minutes long, comparing the candidates in just one of the Hamilton, um, I'm not sure what they call them, uh, you know, uh, wards. And... Um, he, it's 35 minutes long. He's, he's, he lays out the criteria he's going to judge every candidate on. He's going to do it for every candidate. This one's just for a subsection at the moment. And he goes through them all, and it's based on what he can find online. So Nick has gone through and with every candidate, and we can listen to one of the ones that he's, that he's done. I just picked one out at random, or the first one that he did, actually. And let's have a listen to that now. When I first heard Rudy Duploy was running... I thought the name sounded familiar, but I couldn't place where from. A quick Google and the mystery was solved. He was the guy who proposed bringing a racist celebration from South Africa to New Zealand. Oh, sorry, not racist. Just a celebration of Africana pride and a reminder of how the white South Africans were suffering under black rule. Rudy doesn't actually say much about himself. I gather he is some kind of preacher and he was born in South Africa. Uh, he's running on a citizens and ratepayers ticket and is a former Johannesburg city councillor. Yeah, so that's Nick, who's done the public service of going through a whole lot of candidates and rating them on criteria which he's set up. And I'm hoping that there'll be a lot more of that kind of citizen journalism and that people will alert us to it and let people know. Um, because the thing about this local body stuff is that most of us are interested only in a in a very small number of people, but there are just so many of them. So it's really good. It takes a huge effort to actually get this type of information out there. Yeah, good on Nick. Good on Nick, yeah. No, it's I'm, Hamilton. So how do you find Nick if you're in Hamilton and you'd like to well, l- listen to what Nick's got to say or you, watch him? You actually go to the Media Watch page ah, of the Radio there's New a link. Thing. There's a link. In <laughs> fact, whole, that we've embedded the audio of that. That's great. Yeah. It, there was a... There's an Australian, you're probably familiar with it, um, well, it's actually New Zealand as well and international, but the conversation started in Australia. The idea was that it basically paired up journalists with academics and the journalists helped the academics write thought pieces in a more journalistic way and they get published around the world and get published in our papers and so on. And there was one that I just spotted this week which I found interesting and it, it, it was a study of... They took a single day in April, they looked at all the news stories, and they decided they found that a third of all news stories had a big impact on the lives of young people. 
but only 1% of those stories actually quoted young people. Um, so in, in the media, children are seen, not heard. And, you know, they quite rightly were pointing out that that's not a good thing. And I suspect it's a very similar situation here. Um, I just picked a story at random this week, the Oranga Tamariki story about young people self-harming. Um, and that story, you know, didn't mention young people, didn't quote any young people at all, didn't go out to find them. And I think that's a pity. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I found that interesting. And... On Sunday, uh, just on a similar theme, I, I, have, I opened up The Guardian and there was a, a story which had the stand first, why don't journalists think women are people? Um, and I thought, oh, I'll go back and read that. But I had the Sunday Star Times on, on my lap and I was actually reading that and turned the page and I came across a story about prostate cancer and it, it had the stand first, one in eight Kiwis will have prostate cancer. And I thought, really? One in eight Kiwis? And of course, it's, it's not one in eight Kiwis. It's one in eight Kiwi men. So in, in that story, women really were invisible. But I mean, that was well, just... quite a, rightly. <laughs> it, it, was just, it was just a, um, you know, a sub-editor probably overworked, so we shouldn't make too much of a deal of it. And the, but the, actual, the Guardian story, which we'll go back to, was, was an interesting one. It, um, it's, it was an extract from a book called Fixed It which is by Jane Gilmore. And she she became known because she takes a red pen to headlines when she finds them offensive and, and rewrites them. So a recent example was, I'll kill you, I don't care if I go to jail, man puts pregnant ex-partner into headlock over Father's Day plans. So that was what was published, and she changed it to, man with domestic violence history assaults and threatens to kill ex-partner because he chose to be violent. So she, <laughs> That's so good. And she does that kind of stuff all the time, and again, if you go to our website, you'll see that there's links um, there. To That's got to be like The Sun or some equally... Uh, tabloid type paper. I should know instantly which one. I think it was the Telegraph. Tel- but, oh, really? But the I'm Telegraph. Not, I'm not sure. So yeah, I think. But they do that deliberately, obviously, because it makes you know a better headline. Yeah, and unfortunately, in, in their I mean, when, world, it it probably gets clicked on more, and more people read it. So, um, and they may be right in in that estimation. Yeah. So t- is, is her whole book? Is it? graphic is it with the headlines in it with her pen through it or no no I think actually the book is is the extract wasn't one of those it, it was comparing so when she said that the the reference to women being invisible wasn't to all women being invisible it was to sex workers and other women who weren't deemed it, the extract compared the coverage that a sex worker who was murdered got with someone who was deemed to be attractive and um you know you know the type of story um i wasn't familiar with either case actually they're both australian cases um so with a young attractive woman who was murdered got huge amounts of publicity a sex worker who was barely covered I understand, yeah. Oh, very good, Jeremy. Well, thank you very much for that report tonight and all the links on the uh, the Media Watch page. That's right, yep. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Look forward to it. That's Jeremy Rose with Midweek Media Watch.